Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. I'm already 18 feet, and now, holy moly, you're like, huh. I'm a man under authority, brother. And so uh, that's been an interesting thing. So uh, we tell our students, everyone be ready, you don't know who, but I, this is my worship leader. She's the second year, Elizare. She's getting ready to just say, God, whatever you want to do with me, launch me. Incredibly gifted worship leader for us. Takes us to the presence of God, not about singing and all that. It's just about getting us there. Hallelujah. And um, I wanted to just talk about what has Christ been to you this year. God bless everyone. Um, I actually like being up here because it makes me look taller. Um, I'm not 18 feet. Um, well, God has been everything to me this year. Um, even though struggling with finances, but I know he's my provider. Even though I know that things are messed up in my house, I know that he's my strength. And even though things may come my way and I'm being pushed to the right, to the left, I know that he's my path. He's my everything. And I know that with him, I have it all together. Well, not perfectly all together, but I almost got it all together because of him and his strength that I have in him. And I wanna encourage you guys just to cast all your cares upon him Lay everything down and give it all to him because he is your everything and he will take care of everything. Amen. They're going to set up for another human video and why they're doing that. Uh, this group here graduates June 13th. We do have uh, some information in the back if you want our website and stuff like that. We're recruiting for another season which begins in um, uh, September, uh, beginning of October. We do have what we call campus days in May for three days. Students come and they get to live with us and be a part of us. We train them uh, for a choir piece and a human video piece, and then we use them on our platform for church that Sunday. We get them out on the streets. We do a lot within two days. So uh, that is uh, back there. Talk to Liz, my, one of my second years. Uh, and then also because uh, we are a faith-based ministry, what, what does that mean? That means we depend on God to touch people, to touch their wallets, to get surrender to us. Uh, the other thing we do is our products back there. We don't have Gucci, you know, uh, Coach. I took my brother-in-law from, Flo uh, from Florida to, uh, to Canal Street yesterday to shop, and, you know, we got Rolexes coming out the ears and coaches. And, I, and they said they bought a coach, and I said, you do know that that's, you know, that's not real. You know, first rain, it's gone. So, you know, just keep it dry, and you'll be all set. But... Uh, I don't even know why I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, we don't have name brand products back there, but we do have stuff, our Master's Commission, where uh, everything that you buy helps us stay, stay running on the road. So praise God. I was hoping that you were able to see some of the images. Here's good. Uh, right here. Some of the images that uh, we were putting up there, some of the verses.
Because really, when you begin to search the scriptures, you begin to realize that uh, God never made it a secret what his intention is for us as uh, believers once we come to know Jesus Christ. After all, we're in the vine. If we abide in the vine, we will what? Bear fruits. And what is our fruit? What's the jewels in our in our crown? All these things, you know. I remember back in the yesterday, you know, Christianity, old school. We kept singing about our mansions. We kept talking about we're going to have a house with the bakers. Remember who's been a Christian that long? Remember? They're going to have an air-conditioned doghouse in heaven. I mean, that was the stuff that they were fascinated with back then. But then we found out that the world is actually full of a lot of horrible things and a lot of trouble and a lot of circumstance, a lot of tribulation. People go and do some good things and they do it in the name of man, it's going to fall short. But we do it in the name of our God. So this morning we're going to look at several different things. Second Kings chapter 22, the life of a boy king named Josiah, who happens to be the name of my fourth child. If you don't know me at all, I was a pastor in the Bronx for a little while and um, youth pastor for a good bit of time and now a master's director in South Jersey. I had to go to South Jersey to get a master's commission started because I really wanted to get one in New York City. And I, why I love my ministry, uh, what God has given to me and, and I serve it with a whole, all my heart, is because I get a chance to build into young people, college-age students. Most of them have been lied to by the enemy. They believed the lie. Uh, they were limited. They didn't think they had anything to offer and to, and to serve God with. And as they spend their time in their scriptures, in their Bible school academics, uh, in their uh, discipleship times, uh, we are involved with three youth groups every week. Uh, we're on the streets. I mean, we're doing so much. We're in four public schools every week, mentoring. And we do all that within what I call the crock pot of Christianity. And out of it, hallelujah, uh, the fat is, is, is scooped away, the nonsense is scooped away, and, and pure gold is what's left behind. And uh, you know when a goldsmith is done purifying gold? When he can look in and see his reflection. And so that's what we, I love my job. I love the ministry God has given to me. And uh, so I'm appreciating that. If you uh, later want to hear more about it, just go back there. Second Kings chapter 22, talking about revolution. Now I uh, broke this theme at a youth retreat upstate uh, uh, New York and um, I had a Beatles song that broke out. How many, as soon as I said revolution, Ah, you say you want a rev? Okay. Buy my album. It's in the back. Oh, this is wrong. I'm sorry. Wrong people. Wrong people. I'll tell you what, though. That, that theme song for the sanctuary, you know, I saw myself bopping my head like a hamster in that red car. It was pretty hot, man. It's like, I could do something with that. All right. We're here for the Word of God. Revolution. What is a revolution? Bringing about a major or fundamental change taking place in a relatively short period of time. And when we think about that, when we I've only been saved since 1982. In fact, it was April 12th, 1982. I know some of you said, no, only that, that, that long? I know, some of you weren't even alive. But the reality is, I remember it as though it were yesterday because it was the greatest day of, the, of my life. It was the beginning of my eternity. Hallelujah. I wasn't looking for God. God was looking for me. And it's through some circumstances and situations he put me in a place. And I found myself surrendering myself to God. Didn't know anything about church, the Bible, Noah's Ark, nothing. And I found myself surrendering to God and uh, started preaching right away at 16 and just trying to save everybody in my public school. Then I went to Bible school and then just been in ministry ever since. 
realizing that, you know what? There was a revolution in my life that day. A relatively short period of time, a major fundamental change occurred. You see, I was lost, but on that day I was, I was blind, and now I, I was dead, but then I, I was poor, and, and I'm still poor. All right. Major or fundamental change taking place in a relatively short period of time. We talk about revolutions, uh, you know, there's the American Revolution, there's uh, the uh, uh, Civil War, Industrial Revolution, Communist. Revolutions have occurred throughout all human history. I'm going to read this piece. Varying widely in terms of methods, duration, and motivating ideology. Results included major changes in culture, economy, and social political institutions. The neat thing about revolutions, a lot of times people don't realize that their acts at that moment may change the course of history. Like in our country, December 16, 1773, 300 Sons of Liberty dumped over 45 tons of British tea into the Boston Harbor. Did they have any idea, I'm sorry, that's just the way they say it in New England. Did they have any idea that what they were doing was going to change history and change the world? Were they just mad at tea? Were they just really strong coffee drinkers? Why'd they do this? Because they said, I've had enough with the tyranny of an English king. Taxation without... You're hearing a lot of that lately, too. And so these 300 guys stormed it, had a party, and dumped 45 tons of tea and a, a signal little thing. Meanwhile, in other parts of the 13 original colonies, different acts, different people saying, I've had it up to here, and they started doing something. Well, that's what happens with our King Josiah. And that's what needs to happen with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be content just being a good church. We cannot be content with having an awesome music team, worship team, choir team. We can't be content with having great leadership. There's more to this than us. When I drove over that bridge, I'm reminded all the time how many people live within the, the borough of the Bronx. And it always fascinated when I was pastoring in Pelham. 200,000 people lived within the two zip codes that I encompassed right there. 200,000. How can we reach them? Would they even listen? I'm afraid to, 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 not, you know, to approach them. I mean, all these things. But do you realize a revolution begins with this? Actually, let me, before I jump to revolution, let me just talk about why I went with servolution. A servolution is just simply a revolution with a, with a different purpose. Here's what it is. A complete and radical change of a person's life caused by simple acts of kindness for God's glory. I'm going to share several verses with you in a moment. Some we flashed up there as well. It's what he's been intending all along for us. Revolutions are usually fueled by anger, violence, and revolt, but not a servolution. A servolution is fueled by compassion, love, and service. We don't fire shots. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're I'm sorry, only one guy believed it. They are... A servolution is fueled by compassion, love, and service. I thought I was in a Bronx church, but, you know, it's, it's a little white church. Initiating change by bringing healing to a hurting world by, watch this now, loving people to Christ. 
I had to get your bulletin. Every church I minister and I get the bulletin. I want to see what are they doing outside of these walls to touch people for Jesus. And I was happy to see that outreach thing. But I'm going to challenge the outreach team. If you think it's just going and quoting Matthew 3.16, I'm sorry, is that John 3.16? I was just playing with you. But the reality is, if it's just think, taking a little bag lunch, boy, I did the bag lunch. I was serving in Yorktown Heights, New York as a youth pastor. We would get in our vans. We're happy white people. We got lunches. We're going to go to Spanish Harlem, and we're going to talk to people about Jesus while they're eating our peanut butter and jelly. And then we get in our vans afterwards, and we talk about our war stories. Oh, they were stinky. Oh, I was scared. And we go back patting each other on the back. Nobody was one to the kingdom. But we thought we did something. But the reality is, I love taking those trips. Not because I thought I was going to win anybody. I wanted to scare the bejesus out of my people. I wanted to realize the kingdom of God is a lot bigger than, than Yorktown. About our homes. I wanted to get out of their comfort zones. And that's what Masters is all about. Getting out of your comfort zone. That's what Jesus was trying to tell his boys. Get out of your comfort zone. It isn't wild. My, my, one of my staff members, Renato, from Brazil, was uh, reading to me on the way up John Ortberg's uh, book, right, about, uh, what's that, something about a, better, a happy life or some kind of life, a, the life you wanted. But he also wrote another book about getting out of the boat. And isn't it fascinating? The only one guy said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. The rest of them was back there. And we pick on Peter because he started to sink, right? But where were the other 11 doing? They were cowering in the boats. They were putting bets on the fact, how far is Peter going to get? You know, like... <laughs> A serve solution is fueled by compassion, love, and service, initiating change by bringing healing to a hurting world, by loving people to Christ. I care. I care. And here's, here's what we got to get here. Number one, as we read uh, 2 Kings 22, the first thing we, uh, a servolution requires is holy discontent. Let's read this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Jump to verse 3. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, uh, Jephon. I can't say these Jewish names, uh, so you read them. But he sent this, this son of somebody and somebody to the temple of the Lord. Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that's been brought into the temple of the Lord. They were taking offerings for a while. To repair the temple of the Lord. Verse 6. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons. And have them purchase timber, dress stone, and repair the temple. But they don't need to have an account for the money entrusted to them because they will act faithfully. In verse 8. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to the secretary, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then the secretary went to the king and reported to him, your officials paid the money for the temple. The work is happening. Everything's in the up and up. And by the way, the priest gave me this book. And he started reading it in the presence of the king. Verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, watch this, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to the priest to a bunch of people there. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in the book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that's written therein. 
and it continues to go along. She, uh, they go and they go to the prophetess and she gives a word. She says, just because the king responded the way he did, God saw it. He repented, he humbled himself. And then, and then he's going to look and inquire to God for a word. The word comes back and it's a good word for him. And what does he do? Chapter 23. The king called together the elders of Judah and Jerusalem went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah. Men's ministry, listen to this. With the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. It was first called the book of law. The book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and watched this, and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations and decrees, what? With all his heart, all his... Boy, I, I, that sounds like a New Testament verse, doesn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your... Boy, you can tell you people memorize the word. Thus confining, confirming the words of the covenant written in this book, Watch this. This is powerful. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. There cannot be a revolution. There cannot be a revolution in your life and in this church if you don't first have holy discontent that drives you to a holy declaration. Two points right here. Holy discontent. What does that mean? Real simple. And we're really good at that, by the way. Not being happy with the way things are. And I stress the word holy discontent because we are, we're predisposed to be not happy. Somebody has to go write a song that I heard is on the top ten worst songs ever. Don't worry. Oh, you know it. You, you sing it in the shower. We go to a restaurant and we got to wait in line. We are not happy. We go to the movies and we spend, how much is they go to movies now? $25 here? They go to the movies... And you got to give the lease to your apartment to get some soda. And so you're watching the movie and you're not happy if the music is off or it's too hot or it's too cold or some knucklehead is talking on his cell phone in front of you. We know what it is to be discontent. Oh, you're not happy with traffic. Oh, unless you adjust it. Do you guys love traffic? I hate New York City traffic. I was on a subway yesterday and I realized, man, I just got to love people to be up in a subway because I was having people touching me places that, you know... Holly, We know what it is to be discontent, but we, do we know what it is to be holy in our discontentment? And I'm going to add this to you, and I'm not going to be looking around because I don't want to see you react here. But watch this. We also bring that discontentment to church. We're not happy. Pastor's too long. Always asking for money. My seat is never available. It's too, no, part. we bring our discontent to church. And I'm not saying that's all bad because, see, discontent in a, in, a, in a system like ours in America propels us to what? Even more greatness. You see, it's what pushes us to discover and, and invent even more than what we have right now. Without that kind of discontent, I can't talk to someone right away, we might not have had instant messaging. I mean, look, I thought that was cool. Now you got Twitters. You got people who are twits, twittering and tweeting all the time. Just like, what in the world? I will not join the tweet revolution. Sorry. Treat illusion. 
We bring it to church, and so that's why I stress the word holy. I'm not content with church, and that's why I say sometimes church and Christ don't seem to be compatible. I wonder how content Jesus is with church. And so when I say holy discontent, that's bringing into a realm that you cannot, you don't have to be ashamed with your God. Because He's hearing you and listening to you and He sees your heart. So you can, rather than be a murmur and complainer, what happened to those people in the wilderness? You know, they had some troubles. Instead of being a murmur and complainer and, 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 and getting yourself cast out, why don't you just have holy discontent? Say, you know what, things aren't right. But I guess what? You know what? As for me and my house, we're going to do something about it. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am, Pastor. Hallelujah. How frustrated are we as a church that we're not reaching more people today? And I love it. Rick Warren's got this gigantic church and all. When he was coming up, people were saying, when is your church going to be big enough? He said, when there's nobody left to save. That needs to be our attitude. Say, oh, you know, I'm comfortable with the way it is right now. Shame on you, because Jesus wants more. Hallelujah. So how frustrated are you? Are you even aware of the needs of the people around you? And if not, why? Are we too busy playing church? Are we too busy, you know, being happy amongst ourselves? Are we too self-centered? Is our compassion levels too low? Or are we just plainly afraid? Can I be honest with you? All right, I'm born and raised in South Jersey, all right? Outside of my high school, there were farms, suey bean, cabbage. Oh, it was a stinky part of the year and that cabbage starts to, oh. That's where I was, I was saved. I raised, I was raised there, saved there. And then God took me into ministry and then eventually brought me to the Bronx. I used to ride the Cross Bronx Expressway praying. I probably prayed in French, you know, after I was hearing that lady. I prayed every prayer to not break down in the Bronx. And I broke down in the Bronx. Right by the Whitestone Theater right there up top. Had to push me down man. And then when God moved us here, you know, we're pastoring a church now. We've got to go reach them for Jesus. And I'm like, you know what? I, it's time for me to put some of my words to action. We've got to go out. Yeah, we've got to go out. And so we started going out. And I was afraid. I thought I was going to get knifed, shot, mugged, something. Can I tell you, I lived here for seven years and I never got mugged. I kind of felt gypped. I was like, what's the matter? can't put that in my photo album. <laughs> But we were afraid, and we had to overcome that fear, and we started just going out. And say, instead of going to them and saying, you know you're going to go to hell if you don't know Jesus, instead of doing that approach, I said, you know what? How can we pray for you? We did a prayer campaign, just went door to door in a very heavy Catholic area over there in Country Club. And they, we came back with stacks, I mean, I can't even make my hand wide, stacks of, of prayer cards of people that responded at the doors. And then we said, if you want us to call you in response to your prayer, put your phone number. Otherwise, don't. So not all of them had their numbers, but more than I thought. And so after a week or so of praying, we'd start calling these numbers. And then we found out we had to tweak that just a little bit because we called and said, hey, how's your Uncle Mike? Oh, he's been dead five years. Because Catholics pray for their dead peoples. You see? So we were like, okay, can we pray for any living relatives? We got a little more specific there. Okay. We found no one ever slammed a door on prayer. And then we started saying, no, let's have blood drives, invite people in. And you had to fill out your paperwork in our sanctuary with our screen-playing announcements for upcoming things and Christian, Christian music in the background. We plastered our bulletin boards with inviting things. Man. And I remember one day that we were on the right track. This, we let the census use our building for training, 
back, that's when I was pastoring over there in 2000, I think, whatever. And I remember the leader of it came to me and she said, Father, <laughs> I got tired of correcting people after a while. I said, I am a father, of, you know, five kids. But she says, am I sinning being in this building? See, there are Catholics at a certain time that used to say their people would be damned to hell if they came into churches like ours. So we started realizing we actually have to invite them. And you know what George Barna shows? Over 60-something percent of people on any given Sunday will come to your church. All they're waiting for is an invitation because they think it's just your church. Just an invitation is all they're waiting for. Now, you're going to go out and you're going to invite people and they're going to slam and jam you and do all kinds of stuff to you. You're going to say, that pastor don't know what he's talking about. I'm telling you, they're waiting for us. In fact, uh, I have numbers here I'm not going to share you that's pretty dismal about how pathetic churches in our country today. You don't need to hear that. And in, in fact, Jesus' own example about this holy discontent and this declaration, did he wait around waiting for people to come to him? He just went out. Sometimes from point A to point B, all kinds of neat stuff happened in the middle. You see, for us, miracles are an event for us. They should be an everyday occurrence. They should be like, you know, we shouldn't come back and, you know, it's like, you wouldn't believe this because that's the problem. We're supposed to believe it, but we don't believe it. You see, you know, and anyway, so Jesus never waited. People, hallelujah, did come to him, though, but he didn't sit around waiting for them. And he left us a solid example. Listen to these scriptures. Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before church people. Is that what it says? I mean, are we trying to outshine each other? Let your light shine before men. That means people in the darkness, that they may see how neat you are, how nice you are, how wonderful person you are, how much of a good person you must be. No, let them see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. I mean, we're supposed to be chock full of this stuff. And then we have Ephesians 2.10 that says, For we are Christ's, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has, what does it say? Prepared in advance for us to do. Did you hear that? He's got a work order out for you, and He's waiting for you to show up. He's waiting for you to report for duty. Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works. Church people have the provoking part down. <laughs> Some people have the gift of sandpaper. What's your spiritual gift? Annoying people. This is my gift. I'm good at it. I love it. If I don't provoke them, they'll never want Jesus. You know. And I hate it when people say, let me play devil's advocate. He don't need no advocate. He does that good on his own. Just stay away from that. All right. So we have what? Holy discontent. The king here says, you know what? The temple's in ruins. It's time to do something about it. My father and my father's father messed us up pretty bad. We've been collecting money. Enough's enough. Let's do the work. Let's get to business. He had some good people in place. Don't even have to tell me about the money. Just get it done. And in the process, this is the neat thing for us. In the process, the book was found. Of all things, and you wonder why the nation of Israel was in such trouble. 
such darkness, such despair, why they were constantly getting harassed. Because they had neglected the book. They forgot about their covenant. They forgot about their pledge, their vow before God. So the king gets this book, and he hears it again. Perhaps as a little child he might have heard it, but he's hearing it again, and it just tears him apart that this cannot be good for us. This is horrible. Look what we're doing to our God. No wonder we're having these troubles. And he didn't just revel in that. He didn't just stay in a pool of self-pity. No, he said, you know what? We need to do something. Let's go find out what God has to say about this. Having humbled and repented himself, holy discontent brings with it declaration. See, after you have had enough with what's not right around you, you come to a place of decision. And that decision provokes a declaration. You say, it comes out of your mouth, I'm going to do something about this. If you confess, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be. It's not enough to say something's wrong. In fact, the evangelist, the preacher, man, I feel something. I got, I got this butterflies. I mean, he says, if you're feeling something right now, if your heart is twitching, that's the Holy Spirit. Come up here. I mean, we do some funny things. You know, in our church, they actually do it this way. Because ain't nobody moving. They say, turn to your neighbor and ask them if they need to get saved. I'm like, that's the scariest moment. For, if an unsaved person's there, if they know that's coming, they're out, man. They're going to say, I'm going to beat this talk. Not in Pelham. I didn't believe in that. I didn't just head bowed, eye closed, raise your right pinky. No, I said, listen, we're all standing. We're all got our eyes open. If you want Jesus Christ, you know that you know. you got to do something about this. Get down here right now. So for years, I had nobody walk the aisle. All right. You see, declaration says... It comes out of your mouth, I'm going to do something about it. Just like in our country, we celebrate something called the Declaration of Independence. How many know it? I don't even know it. I don't even have it written down. Something about we're, we're, we're tired of you, King, something like that. But it's the moment that you make yourself heard. And watch this, it's the moment that you refer back to when it gets really tough. April 12, 1982. Why do I remember it as though it were yesterday? Because I needed it many times. Oh, my life was okay with Jesus and the world. It's, it got bad when it was Jesus and me and the church. I, I've been threatened to be sued, to be, I had them pointed at me, you know, I had machetes pointed at me. All the, as a Christian, <laughs> as an unsaved person, I never had any of that. I've had people just get so frustrated. I mean, I was, I, I, you know, we always say this, oh, I'd be a Christian if we wouldn't do it sweet. Yeah, this boy's running already. Hallelujah. I feel like the book of Acts. Hallelujah. That is good stuff. He's coming up here. All right. It's the moment you, you, you make yourself heard and you refer back to it when it starts to get difficult. Hallelujah. Here's two declarations I think you need to hear. One is by a woman who made a lot of difference in her day. She says this, I'm only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do that something I can do. Her name is Helen Keller. I mean, she didn't allow her disability to identify her and hold her back. And then this one, I think we know this lady real well. Her name is Joyce Myers. In her love revolution back in October, she says, I take up compassion and surrender my excuses 
I stand against injustice and commit to live out simple acts of God's love. I refuse to do nothing. This is my resolve. I am the love revolution. Remember when we got saved, we pledged ourselves to Jesus Christ. We said, I surrender all. We said, Lord, take everything. You know, we, at that time we thought it was much of nothing. Lord, take everything. And then later in our Christianity, we think we got something. We think we became someone. And all of a sudden it's like, well, be careful how much you take, Jesus. Somewhere along the way a transfer happened. Something changed in us. You see, but a revolution not only requires discontent, it not only requires a declaration, but it requires something else. Here's where the church falls short, and the book of James whacks us pretty hard. You see, because a revolution always requires action. You see, without action, love is just a theory. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's action there. If you love your husband, if you love your spouse or your wife, you're going to what? Want to serve them and, and help them and, and, and care for them. If you love your church, you're going to serve your church. Do you hear me? It's not, enough just, it's not enough just to be unhappy about things around you. It's not enough just to say you want to do something. You've got to actually step out of the boat and do it. You see, we say this. What? There's too many problems. The problems are too big. I don't have any money. After all, what can I do? Well, you've not read the Bible through enough because you realize you never really required much. Remember the prophet shows up? That woman's getting ready to make some stick stew and die. And the prophet says, what do you got? Feed me. What do you mean? I, I, I'm paraphrasing, please. Gary, don't get on me. And then his buddy did the same thing. Shows up. He's hungry. And he said, you know, give me some. What do you got? I just got a little oil, a little flour. Okay, go make me something. He didn't say, oh, that's bad. I'm sorry. My bad. I picked on the wrong person. Let me find someone else. He said, okay, take that. Make it for me. Watch what's going to happen. Go get all the bottles. Go do all this. Shut your doors. And guess what? You have more money than you ever thought. You see, never required. What about feeding the 5,000? I love how Jesus set them up. I'm having a great day. Jesus ain't watching the clock. You mean you tell me you don't see the sun going down? He's enjoying himself. And the disciple said, listen, you better send these people away. They're hungry. It's like most pastors, why they don't preach too long. Because their people get hungry and they get afraid. You see, the, rea the reality is, Jesus knew something was going to happen that day. And he says to them, okay, boys. They said, send them away. They got to get some food. And he says, what do you got? What do you mean, what do you got? You know we ain't eating nothing because you ain't got nothing. And so they look around and see this boy with a little box lunch, a little transformer box. And he comes and he's, what do you got? Just a little fish, a little bread. I like using transformer because that's what happened, right? He took that little sack lunch and he made something big out of it. But can you imagine the disciples the first time? He gives them a little piece of bread and a little gnarly piece of fish. He says, go feed them a couple thousand of them. You take 500 here. You go. Can you imagine them going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, Jesus. I'm finished. I, I thought Jesus was cool, but no, he's sending me out. I would love it. I wish CNN was around or somebody because I wanted to see their faces. Get the camera in a tight close-up because at some point they had to realize this is some cool stuff. This is some, this is crazy. Yo, boys, check out. Oh, he's having, yeah. Oh, man, this is not, you know. Can you imagine that? I know you pray like that when you go over to, uh, what is it, Ponderosa or something? That's an old restaurant back in the day. Sizzler. All right. You say, what can I do? And here's Jesus' system for us. Jesus served whoever, wherever, whatever, whenever. 
That's it. Boom. He didn't say, no, only get me between 9 to 5. Because if you truly care, if you truly care, you're going to interrupt your sleep in the middle of the night. Remember that guy? Yo, throw me some bread. I got company coming. I'm in bed with my kids. Would you crazy or something? See, that, I love how Jesus gives us all these little hints because he's telling us if you truly care, he's going to send some stuff your way to show if you really do or not. Holler. So be innovative. Use what you have. Be ridiculously generous. Be observant. Be obedient. Hallelujah. And the thing about a servolutionary, it's not just what we do, it's who we are. I'm a servolutionary. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out. Hallelujah. And God does amazing things with people like that. It's an expression of our heart. Serving becomes a way of life, not just an act we do on a Saturday called outreach. It's something we do 24-7. has no timeline on it. You see, I have all these ideas for ministries, what they can do and all that. And the neat thing is, is Jesus finally showed us what he really wants from us at the Last Supper. Pretty much when you know you're going to die, you're going to say pretty much the, the most amazing things. You're going to pretty much let it out there. But what did he do? He took a towel. He took some water. And he bent down to wash his disciples' feet. He was not concerned about titles. He only gave towels. In the church, we want titles. Give me a name tag. Give me some title. Call me assistant something or other. Jesus said, no, here's your towel. Instead of wearing crosses, we ought to wear towels around our necks. So our pastor can ring it when we're being dumb. I'm just kidding. That just came to me. It can't be from God. I think that's from the devil. It's time for us to pick up our towels. So now, let me come to the end of this thing. Not only do we have holy discontent, not only do we have a declaration, not only do we realize we've got to serve, but it's the last one. It's the difficult one. It's the one that really, really separates us, especially in our American culture. It really separates the men from the boys, if you will. Every revolution requires sacrifice. Jesus said, unless this grain, this kernel, this, this me, falls into the ground. You see, the kingdom of God is like what? A mustard seed. Smallest of seeds, but yet it's planted. And what does it become? A tree that encompasses the entire garden where birds come from all over and perch. See, he talks about the kingdom of God being this thing, this small thing right now. But it's got to die. It's got to get in there. And then it's going to grow and be something big. And by the way, the scripture says in 1 John that God's seed is in us. Seed has one purpose. It has to die first. And then once it germinates, you don't see nothing. And all of a sudden it blossoms. becomes what? A fruit producing thing. A product. A living organism. That in itself does what? Reproduce after itself. Every Christian needs to reproduce more Christians. I heard someone talk about discipleship. You know what discipleship is? Living life together, however messed up that is, because we know that this is what Jesus wants. And as we do it, we sharpen each other. We grow together. We see each other's awesome moments and our not-so-awesome moments. We don't shun each other or shoo each other. Hallelujah. We love each other. We bear with one another. We forgive one another. We push one another further in our walk with God. Who would resist such a thing? You see, sacrifice is so required. Here's what Thomas Jefferson said. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Thank God Jesus shed that blood. 
All we now need to do is shed our selfishness, shed our pride, shed our busyness, shed our self-worth, our self-importance, and just serve. Hallelujah. Our brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus Christ. Back to Josiah real quick. This is what he does, because you need to read the whole thing. So he, there's this whole declaration. I'm going to renew my commitment. The people said, we're going to renew our commitment. And I made that note about the men, because men, you need to lead the way. You want a revolution in your church of servanthood? You step out and serve. Don't wait for the women. They'll be ready to do it. Women are going to be like bugging the mess out of us in heaven. So let's serve right now. No, I'm just kidding. That's not even theology. I'll lose my license if I say that. Action. Verse, verses 4 all the way down through the rest of chapter 23. It goes in great detail to show the action that King Josiah was willing to make. And in that action was great sacrifice. People died. Stuff got destroyed. In fact, you know where he started first? The same place he found the book inside the temple. And if you read that chapter, chapter 23, wait until you hear how much abomination they had to remove from the temple. You want to know why God's not moving? Why things aren't happening in most churches? Because they got abomination in there. They got idol worship. They gathered stuff that don't need to be. And so King Josiah starts there first. And he doesn't just destroy the stuff. You know what he does? He actually digs stuff up and destroys it again. You say, what does that got to do with me? Because you and I thought the day we got saved, God took care of everything. I'm all good. I'm fixed. Everything's all right. You know, we don't need the altar. The altar's for those heathen people. You know, like this one and that one and that one. You know, not just Sister Diane. You know, it's, it, you know, people need to... Is she here? There she is. She's hiding. Did he talk about me? Yes, I did. I love her so much. The reality is the king said it's not enough just to clean the temple. It's not enough just to clean the high places. He goes to the low places. You know where those places are. You're ashamed of them. No one needs to know about them. He goes there, and I love what he does. He even grinds it up. I mean, he so, so displaces this stuff. And you and I think that just because we're saved, we can still get away with our sin. We can still get away with our forms of unrighteousness. After all, he loves me, and he knows my heart. He'll forgive me. You'll never know the full promises of God if you have had a deal with the devil in the house of God. You will not serve to your fullest capacity. You will not sacrifice to the greatest degrees. You will hold back. You see, a servolution requires sacrifice. It requires action. It requires a declaration. It requires you to be aware, holy discontent. Stuff ain't right. I'm not sure how you do altar calls here for unsaved people. If the worship team come up. This message always comes with it, and I'm thankful to say that in most churches we have people that actually came to church who did not know the Lord. And I say that is an awesome thing. I lead a youth group on Wednesday night. Fifty percent of them do not know Jesus Christ. And I thank them and commend them for coming. We don't expect them to lift their hands and speak in tongues and worship. I just tell them, sit there nice and quiet Why the rest of them do that, and they do it. I said, sooner or later, you're going to be in this environment, and you're going to realize, whoa, there's something to this. I want what he has. I want what they're doing. And they'll start breaking and they'll start coming out. You can't reach unsaved people if you ain't touching them. Proximity, you know, that's what Jesus had, proximity. And so there may be people in this room today that don't know Jesus Christ. You came to church. And today's your day. 
today's the day where you realize something's just not right. I've been hearing this pastor and others have been telling me something's not right with me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. This could be your day where you make your holy, uh, where you make your declaration. You see, and then the action for you is to come up and let the pastor or his altar workers minister to you and pray with you. You're not joining this church. Well, it's a good church to be a part of. You're saying, I, I, I want Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus in my life. Come, Jesus. But then there are those in this room, you've been a Christian a long time. You've tried church. You've been to churches. In the Bronx, there's no want for churches. How many churches did I pass to get to this church? It ain't about going to church. It's about letting church so consume you that you're the church. More will be done for the kingdom outside of these four walls. You might not want to hear that. I love the way the first church did it. They didn't have her own building. They didn't have a building program. They met where? In the sanctuary, in the temple courts, as long as they left them there. But they met in their homes all over the city. And they had proximity to unsaved folks. And people just kept being added, such as were saved. That was the church in action. You see, but even there, sacrifice had to happen. Because they, the they got this wrong idea that it was a Jerusalem Christian thing. That it was for Jews only. So Stephen had to die. And the church went out. And they didn't go out in fear, quiet, not sharing. No, they went out spreading the gospel everywhere as they went. So this morning, I want to know if everyone could stand to their feet. You stand to your feet. And there are Christians in this room. First of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to, to sort of lead the packet down here. Indicate to altar workers, we, you know, I, I need to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I don't make, make a big public thing about it because really it's not what makes us feel good. It's for you. But the other thing is this. Christians in this room, maybe you think just coming to church is all you need to do to serve Jesus. You are a gold mine. You're sitting on such power and such potential. Wouldn't you want to just start to experience a Christian life that, that is, as the Bible says, just so unbelievable, so, so incredible, so full of adventure and faith and answered prayer and the flowing of the gifts in your life? Maybe you've got stuff that's your lid, stuff's holding you back. People lied to you for a long time. Stuff happened in your life and the devil's caught you believing you'll never be anything. You're an awesome candidate for God to do some awesome things. And then through your caring, through your situation, other people will come to know Jesus too. So I'm going to ask this morning, right now, I'm going to just say a simple little prayer. And if you're one of those that needs to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're ready to make that declaration. You come down and altar workers will be here. And then Christian, you, you know there's something more there. You, 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 You've not really stepped out of the boat. You're kind of happy with the way it is, not doing too much. There's good works God's prepared for you. So that way you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. You begin to realize just how awesome He is as new horizon and new horizon come your way. You see, the prophetic ministry, our students work in that. Our church is very heavy in it. But the prophetic ministry is not just there to keep you sitting down. It's to release the presence and power of God so you can go prophesy.
go spread the wonder and majesty, majesty of our God. The gifts aren't just so we can have a neat little time in here. It's so we can go heal the sick and bring deliverance. Too much of that's hidden inside the church. And I think God's trying to turn us out. Say, all this that's good needs to get out there. Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now, you're permeating our hearts. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe we are so afraid. Maybe we're, we're limiting ourselves. We're limiting you. We don't know what we can do. But God, today, you are permeating our hearts. And you are encouraging us to step out of the boat. As Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Lord, right now, you're bidding your people to come. To step out of comfort zone. To step out of routine. Lord, that they could begin to experience and explore and explode in the power and wonder of God. Many have never been used and they don't understand the gifts in their life. Father, that today, Lord, there will be a releasing, O oh Lord, of your power through your people. For your purpose, O oh God. To see others, Lord, come to know you and respond to the invitation. I pray, God, that fear will not hold us back. I pray, Lord, we realize all the good works around us that need to be released and happen in Jesus' name. It's not enough to be discontent. It's not enough to say, I love Jesus. It's time to put some action to our love. I pray, Lord, that people would come, Lord, and just reveal themselves to you. Say, here I am, Lord Jesus. Use me. Be like the King Josiah, as it were, tearing his garments, saying, This is not right. I need a word from you, God. What do you want me to do, Jesus? Father, I just release your people, Lord, to your purpose and your power. In Jesus' name. There are folks coming right now. Uh, Master's Commission, I want you to come and start praying for folks. Just you let God use you this morning. If someone needs to get saved, I want you to tell whoever's praying with you, I need to know Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're coming, you're saying, Lord, here I am. Release me, God. Use me, God. I want to taste, oh God. I want to experience all you have for me, Lord. I want the more that you offer, oh God. Greater works will you do than I, Jesus said. Father, to be a releasing God, that this sanctuary, Lord, won't just be a place to hide, but a place to release, oh God, a place to go, God, and a place to bring people back, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, oh God. Hallelujah. Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, because you're fully known by forever, Daddy. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.